in Harry and Meghan, and especially in the Meghan side of that couple, that there is a, a good girl in recovery who's really trying to break out and share what she is going through. And, and getting demonized for it in real time all over the damn place. I'm not having it. I'm not having it one other. So we are coming to her rescue. We are going to talk about these youngins, what we find interesting, what we're a little concerned about, and we're going to dive right into it. Hi, welcome to Girlfriends of a Certain Age, a podcast for women in midlife. We are busy living our best lives. I'm your co-host, Fleshe Hesh. I'm a business coach and work-life balance expert for women. And I'm your co-host, Jessica Neighbor. I'm a voice coach for vocalists and public speakers online at Impact Vocal Coaching. We are girlfriends in real life, and in every episode, we'll discuss a different hot topic about becoming wise women, recovering from being a good girl, and not giving a bleep anymore. If you identify as a girlfriend of any age and you want to join our conversation, join us on Instagram, YouTube, and girlfriendsofacertainage.com. Hey, girlfriend. Happy Monday. Happy how's, Monday. How's your morning going so far, Flache? You know, it's good. Today I had like a Steve Jobs moment where I was like, <laughs> what am I going to wear? You know, and then I was like, Oh, I'm going to wear my new merch because we have our new Recovering Good Girl t-shirts. Should we shimmy? Should we shimmy, shimmy for those that can shimmy. see us on the video? Woo-woo. And do a little, do a little boob shake. Recovering Here we go. Good girls. Recovering <laughs> Good Girls. I love it. So, I love it. You came up with this brilliant shirt idea and it's so fun. I wanted one. I wanted a shirt that said recovering good girl. I want a hoodie. I want a, um, I want a mug. And so I realized it's so easy to do now. And then we can open it up. So if you would like to shop along with us and have a recovering good girl shirt, the description is down below and you can get your hands on one too. And if you do, I certainly hope that you would tag us on our socials so we can see you in your fabulousness and you reclaiming all those parts of yourself because we are so focused, so busy on living well at this stage of our lives. Let's do it together. Let's show some pride. Mm, I love it. And it was by far our most popular episode of season one. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to Recovering Good Girl, it's a two-parter. It is definitely worth your time. There's a workbook you can uh, take. And it's just so interesting for so many of us women at this middle age who we feel like are kind of rediscovering our true selves. So we just got so much uh, positive feedback that, yeah, we uh, went ahead and made shirts. And you are welcome to pride, uh, proudly wear our merch as well with us. We would love it. Yeah, it's so fun to see the community growing and that we are speaking to the hearts of so many women. And today's topic is something that I'm so excited to get into. We're going to be talking about Harry and Meghan. But before we do that, I know you've got something new going on. And Well, I wanted to invite our girlfriends of a certain age if they want to join me for my new workshop live coaching series. This is for people who want to learn how to become more confident communicators. So it's called Total Impact. We're going to take you through a series of workshops to teach you how to be a more confident speaker, how to feel more powerful, and to how to really be heard 
when it is you are communicating either in your work settings or in your personal spheres. So I'm really excited to do this and you can join me in the link below to learn more. Oh, I'm so excited for you. And I'm so excited for the girlfriends because that's the next step of becoming a good girl in recovery. Part of our recovery process is reclaiming our voice. And I love that you really um, stake your flag on that for us. So thank you for doing that work and for all the girlfriends who are going to sign up and take that class with you because this is such important work too, that we all be heard and seen and felt because we will not go quietly into this midlife and beyond. Uh Uh-uh, none of us. No, no. And I love that because that's a great segue into our topic today because I think you and I both felt in Harry and Megan and especially in the Megan side of that couple that there is a a good girl in recovery who's really trying to break out and share what she is going through. And And getting demonized for it in real time all over the damn place. I'm not having it. I'm not having it one other. So we are coming to her rescue. We are going to talk about these youngins, what we find interesting, what we're a little concerned about, and we're going to dive right into it. So I want to ask you first, are you a royal lady. I think I know you are since you mention queendom all the time, but what's your what's your relationship with um all things royal? So all things royal like as an overarching theme, I am all about it. All about it. I'm definitely someone you would call a royal watcher, not in a voyeuristic way, but more like in a up close leaning forward, fascinated way. So I don't feel like a connection to the British monarchy as a system that I'm like, ooh, that's really powerful and and valuable. I'm more interested in in it as an archetype. And people who knew me when I was six, seven years old know that I was a princess (laughs) starting around first grade. I mean, I was still doing it in middle school. Like anytime there was a, a a chance for a costume party, I was a princess. And and now I relate more as a queen. Uh, Y'all know that my word for this year is queen, really standing in my power, really being a magnetic person in my business uh, with my marketing, um, but also being a queen in my family and in my life. So for me, I really resonate with the archetype. I, something I look to as a as a model for mm. how do we be a queen in our life? And a lot of the women in my life call themselves that too. So that's something that I'm very charged up and juiced up about. So watching a girl who looks like me mm. marry into the royal family, that's a whole other episode I'd have to do about what that meant for me as a woman of color, seeing yeah. another woman of color marry into it. Um so I that that is my little lead into it. What about you? Do you consider yourself a royal watcher or what's your interest level in in that family? I mean, to be honest, it's it it's not very much. I mean, I grew up with them, but it was always on the periphery. I think I was a little more in my, you know, crunchy Berkeley and a little more tomboy. I'm giggling imagining the young Flache in her princess outfits. I was 
you know, I might have a tutu on, but I'd be rocking it with like a Superman cape and some like, you know, uh, rain boots. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I knew they were there. I knew there was, you know, the Prince Charles and I'll never forget when Princess Diana and Prince Charles were married. I mean, that was a very big deal, but I, I wasn't, you know, as, as, um, bedazzled by it all. Uh, however, Mm. where I really got into it was watching the crown on Netflix. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that show. series was fabulous. And I have been reminded that it is, um, historical fiction. Yes. So that we need to take that all with a grain of salt. But boy, was that fantastic because, you know, it felt like we got to be a fly on the wall into these private lives. And so that really was what um, hooked me to learning more about the monarchy. Right. And I think it also stripped away a lot of the mm, outside pomp and circumstance, if you will. And we got to see them more as the very deeply flawed humans we all are. Yes. Uh, we all have the, p- the potential for, for greatness and evil and everything in between. And so to see all of that played out and to bring more humanity to their roles, I, yeah. I, I think is a great thing to do. Now, mm-hmm. I'm sure personally that didn't feel great, uh, right, for the family or the institution or the firm or whatever they call themselves. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, as you get more into that, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do question what the role of the monarchy is these days. And of course, you and I are American, so we're not, you know, like we have no, we have no dog in that fight. Right. Um, but I think what we both resonated with a lot more was Megan's story and watching yes. what she's gone through, watching yes. that new marriage, that new family, yes. these new parents swimming upstream, you know, really wanting to share their story and we saw them get just dragged down and then left out in the cold Mm. and so it's interesting to hear their side and of course every situation every family every relationship has two sides so you know we're not here to say that the Harry and Meghan story is the only one yeah but it's the only one that we see being spoken out loud so what was your what was your summary what was your kind of like overall hit of the Netflix documentary, which for those of you who haven't watched it, just to fill you in, it is a six hour documentary. There's six episodes. It, it's a deep dive into this couple. Um, they take you through you know, their courtship uh, and then coming into the public eye, getting married, having babies, and then the whole debacle with the uh, firm or the monarchy. And so what was your like, kind of initial overall feeling about it? My overall initial feeling about it was, ouch, oh my <laughs> gosh, this mm. is a family in crisis. And when I say family, I mean like the entire thing, like all the characters, all the yeah, characters, all the archetypes, right? Now there's the, a new king and his consort wife, who we all know is his mistress. And it's like, ah, it's just like all these things, right? And so there are all these different parts that we're playing. And even Harry in his new book calling himself Spare. Mm. Right? We all know that phrase, the heir and the spare. And what is the role of this person who maybe was kind of just had as a backup? Like it, mm. that is part of the system. Like we've always known that. It's it's spoken about, it's real. So my my initial feeling was, oh my gosh, we are watching this entire family 
in crisis, in pain. And of course, that relates to all of our families and all of our relationships. And, and there's a place where I'm a King Charles and I'm the Megan and I'm the Harry and I'm the Catherine or all the different places. So that's really what it shook up in me. And I think is the gift it's giving us, um, you know, the public at large, the opportunity to look at those archetypes in our own lives, in our own families, in our own systems. Mm-hmm. What about you? What was your overall takeaway from the documentary? Yeah, I, I really felt like they were reclaiming their voice and reclaiming their experience through their words. And I know there's been some criticism about, well, this is just their point of view, but I think that they had gone through so much trauma in the press, like trauma, really deep level trauma that they needed to do this. And I felt like it was really effective to hear them share from their point of view, um, what was going on for them. I just remember them at each different moment saying, oh, I finally get to say this in my own words. So I found that as a documentary, and I think her mother said that, I I know Harry and Megan both said that at different points, that they really felt like there was finally someone on their side. The other one thing that jumped out at me was that it really did feel culty. I've been listening to- Wait, which in particular felt culty? The whole institution felt culty. Oh, yeah. The way that they were describing what was happening in the firm, that you have to either play nice or you don't play at all. The way when they finally broke out, were ostracized. Um, There's all these really interesting cult podcasts and books going on right now, a little bit culty, or it sounds like a cult or two that come to mind. And one thing they talk about is that, you know, we, we think of the cults being, you know, these really extreme examples of people that are wearing, you know, crazy outfits and drinking Kool-Aid and awful things like that, but that it can infiltrate all different kinds of systems. And I think that the, the warning signs are there. There's, there's exit costs. If you leave, you get shunned. Uh, you are no longer financially stable within their system. So there just felt like some really concerning red flags uh, that I thought they really brought to light that it's it's important to look at. And it, I'll tell you that when I finished watching this, it made me wonder what the relevance and and do we really want to have this institution anymore? Is it is it good for anyone? Right. Right. I mean, to me, as an American, it just looks like a swirling, you know, poop heap of <laughs> of drama and nonsense. Yeah. Right. I actually don't really know what the value is they provide. This idea of mystery and mystique and and something to aspire to and look up to. I, I don't know if the everyday people of <laughs> you know and who are. Uh, you know, overseen by that system, you know, yes. so many black and brown people where, right. the, you know, now King Charles is like the head of state for, right. you know, all these people. And right. it's very interesting to me. For very the strange. commonwealth, right? For the commonwealth. Right. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, right. and right. Like I, the fact that they couldn't even accept Megan, you know, it, it, and yet they're supposed to be this, this united commonwealth, as you said, for all of these different, you know, diverse places, India, Kenya, you name it. It just, it seems like a total hypocrisy. 
Right, right. Well, and we know that there's a threatened, pretty intense backlash happening, that idea of this commonwealth, uh, which is also an interesting term, um, Uh is shrinking, has already been shrinking, and is threatened to shrink even further now with the passing of the queen, that Mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason, people didn't, you know, countries didn't want to do that while she was still alive, but are now threatening, and there's been a massive backlash asking for reparations, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even also a public acknowledgement of the slave trade and how much wealth was generated, you know, by this United Kingdom on the backs of of other people, you know, by selling them, trading them, enslaving them, beating them, I, I think. Um, and then also a lot of the racist rhetoric and, and imagery we're still seeing in the royal mm. family. There was some relative wearing oh, like a very racist brooch. brooch and, you know, and just like this confusion. What? Oh, Why? Well, just I got it. You know, it's like this idea of like confusion Mm -hmm. and absolute lack of awareness. But really, it's also a lack of interest in having any awareness that Mm -hmm. uh, that our thoughts and our behaviors or the things that we wear on ourselves or adorn our our home with would be hurtful to others. And don't you see the parallels in our country? Like it's like the Confederate flag or these Confederate statues of like, well, why is that offending anybody? I mean, we are having a very, very similar um, tension here with the the way that everyone here has tried to erase uh, enslavement and and so much of what our country was founded on. So there are so many parallels. So it's not like we're sitting back going, oh boy, look at all their issues. They're just a mess. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, we have it, too. I do want to circle back on what you were saying about the Mm. cult-like nature of of that family, of the royal family, because it also reminds me of narcissistic abuse. Like, and, And there's, you know, that cult. That cult energy is also in many families and workplaces mm-hmm. and religions. Mm-hmm. So I think too, it's a good reminder to be able to take a step back and remind ourselves that you know, a lot of us are also suffering or recovering from situations like this ourselves, whether it's Absolutely. breaking free, you're the black sheep in your family and you broke free and you're not playing that game anymore, mm-hmm. or you quit a job where people now are shunning you because you, you broke free, you got away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is this way that it's very important to look at the abuses that happen, but Mm -hmm. also to work on healing. And I think that to me, I saw Harry and Meghan being on a path of healing. Mm -hmm. And it's very early on, you know, Mm -hmm. you guys know that I'm trained uh, once upon a time to become a, a marriage and family therapist. You know, so I'm very sensitive to trauma and looking at it and the signs of it. So it is also tricky watching them process a lot of it out loud while they're still so traumatized. There is a part of me that's like, oh, no, I hope, you know, you guys aren't going to regret saying any of these things later. Mm -hmm. I did have some feelings like that because, you know, when we when we are in trauma, when we're recovering from a traumatic experience, we will say and do things that we may not say once we're further down the path and we're more healed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and because it's all happening so publicly, I, you know, and it's one of the things we wanted to talk about too, this idea of what's public, what's private. Yeah. What was your take on that? Did you have any feelings about the the public nature of which this family is, you know, processing, at least this part of the family is processing their experiences. Yeah, I also felt concerned that they were just putting it all out there. Like there was one scene later 
on in the documentary where they were meditating and they were meditating about, you know, some hard things that had been happening in the press. I know she was going through a a lawsuit with a a certain newspaper, but to, to, to view a meditation, something that I love doing, but that is so private to me, it just felt odd. And I go back and forth between feeling like, you know, Harry especially grew up in the public eye. He has always lived in a fishbowl. Um, you know, you might think it's this gilded castle, but truly every time he stepped outside, he was just inundated with press. So I wonder if they just have a really different relationship with um, the press. And Megan had already been a well-known actress. And younger people, <laughs> I feel like an old lady when I say this, but I'm just going to say it do grow up with a certain level of public social media awareness that we just didn't have. And frankly, I'm glad for it. I'm glad that people didn't bust me when I was a wild teenager doing crazy things. Oh my gosh, I'm grateful for that. So what do they do when up until now, everything has been made so very public about them? And so what my 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 gut was telling me was, oh, they're being so public as a way, again, to reclaim their story and to, to say it their way. And yet, I also had a little bit of that concern that you're speaking to, which is, ooh, ooh, ha, TMI, you're giving us a lot. And are you going to be okay with that um, down the road? From what I gather, they they seem like they feel good about this choice. But it's really interesting what you're bringing up, you know, with your training about Ooh, they're still in recovery. They're still in the fresh new stages of trauma. So what, you know, what is their judgment like? Is it, is it clear right now? I don't know. Mm. It's a great, it's a good concerning question to ask. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think it's a bigger question for all of us because we all go through hard times and challenges and difficulties and, and we want to point fingers or say, but there's a way to that way we can sort of shoot, shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, you know, by saying, oh, this friend did this to me and blah, blah, blah. And the next time you're together with that friend, how do you want other people to relate to them? Do you want that story to be that they were bad and wrong or that, wow, everything is complicated. Relationships are complicated. So I just think it's something for us all to be thinking about. I I mean, I myself am very private. You know, I erased all my social media years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't miss it at all. So I, um, so I am naturally, you know, I'm obviously I share stuff here on the podcast, mm-hmm. but like I, uh, I don't have a relationship to social media as a place where I like say my all my thoughts and feelings or how I'm doing that day. I agree with you. I'm a little more public than you. And I think that's just a spectrum. And I think they are going full board. Today's episode is brought to you in part by our dear friend, and girlfriend of a certain age, relationship coach Tamara Mendelssohn. We wanted you to meet Tamara because she brings a really fresh perspective to relationships that we thought you needed to know about. You can learn more about Tamara at tamaramendelson.com. Hi, Tamara Mendelssohn here, relationship coach. Relationships are hard. And I wrote the mini relationship roadmap to help you along the way in your own relationship. Tips and tricks and some exercises to help figure out if your relationship is broken or if you're just angry. 
So sign up for our email down below and get on our mailing list and I'll send you out this workbook right away. Talk soon. Today's episode is brought to you by the 5-Minute Work-Life Balance Digital Workbook. Do you need help achieving work-life balance? I will teach you how to take back your time and your life. You can forget about feeling guilty, overwhelmed, and out of balance. You will discover the nine unexpected strategies to achieve work-life balance. My name is Fleshe Hesh trained as a marriage and family therapist, turned business coach, and a work-life balance expert for women of a certain age. I'm the mom of two. I'm a CEO, published author, and a podcaster. So today, you can get access to the digital workbook, my online course, and me, your coach, for $29. This is available for a limited time, and the link is below. Also, I think what people are reacting to right now is the fact that it's not just this documentary. It's also a book that Harry put out. Um, they also did another series in Netflix where they're the, the the narrators for it. So there's just a lot all of a sudden of them. And it's interesting to see the public's reaction. They're they're really getting a lot of bad press for doing this. So I, I part of me wants to come to their defense to say, no, they're, they're, they really are showing some bad stuff. To your point about how this was like a toxic relationship and the narcissism that was playing out in the royal family, what I noticed that really hit home for me was the way the family would appear to go silent on issues that had upset them and then behind the scenes be leaking things to the press. It was such a nasty game. It was so like, it made me think of like Jerry Springer level stuff, right? So it's oh, like, yeah. here we, right? Like here we have these royals that are supposed to be nothing but refined, but they all have their own like go-to press person and they're all spreading these nasty rumors about each other. It, you know, it's like, that's a lot of mudslinging going on, right? Right. The hypocrisy of we are above this. But we'll let our minions throw the dirt for us and we'll just be silent. And this, you know, this idea, we've been hearing this for a long time, that we knew that the, this uh, motto in that family, never complain, never explain. And we saw that when uh, the beloved Princess Diana died. Mm. And those fools had nothing to say. Just right. not a word for way too many days. And I remember thinking, oh, that's very stark. And there were a lot of you know conspiracy theories about what had happened to her and who might have been involved. I was like, and th they're not going to say anything, right? Um, uh, and you know, I, it felt like a little too little, too late. Absolutely. Uh, once they did, especially knowing they have the minions who can speak. Okay, you're all grieving, and you can't you can't talk. We get it, but we know that you have the the men in gray suits, as Diana called them. Yes. The, the 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 press office, the P, the PR people, right? Who kind of running the business and kind of keeping. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what the story is about who they think they are, what they think that they're putting out. I agree, and, and the the Diana, the parallels are awful too. That she tried to, you know, break away, and they cut off her security, and then it was really impactful to witness how they cut off the security in Harry and Meghan's world. There was the scene up at the Vancouver Island where they're 
trying to kind of get their their family together. They had they had broken away, and then all of a sudden, these this paparazzi, you know, uh, boat load are circling their their island, and you did feel like there was something symbolic about that. Like they are an island. They that's all they had you know, and they were kind of like thrown out to sea. So both Diana and Harry and Megan, when they, they broke away, they just got dropped, right? Got it was dropped. like, we're just going to deny your existence, which really pushes my button as a recovered good girl, right? That feeling of like, oh, I we're just going to pretend none of that ever happened. You know, it's like, it makes, to me, that's very crazy making. <laughs> Well, it's also it's also the epitome of cancel culture, right? You're not playing the game, so we cancel you. Not only do we cancel you, leave you out in the cold, but maybe we'll even drop some data as to where you are, what your intentions are, what your plans are. Uh, There was something very dangerous, and it seemed very hateful. And granted, we probably will never know the side of of that firm or, or business yeah. or monarchy or whatever. Um, but I think enough stuff has been seen. And we all, I remember watching all that play out, watching that that press was around their home. And mm. I remember in real time and with, with a little child too, you know, and as a mom, I've been clutching at my heart and my throat all at the same time, just to, to know that you can't keep your family safe. I think that there's something, um, well, it's just so damaging and so 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 beyond traumatizing. So I feel like they have trauma on top of trauma, on top yeah. of trauma, on top of trauma. It's all sort of built up. Um, and not to forget her father and that whole side of the family and what that betrayal happened as well, oh which gosh. felt less calculated. It felt more like an opportunistic. opportunistic move there. So in a funny way, we have this sort of American version, right? Where there's like this, this opportunistic way. And then I don't know, in the UK, there's like, it's like the next level with the monarchy and, and, but, but it, it all relates, doesn't it? It's all this, this feeling of not protecting what I have to say, I was charmed. They were a very lovely young family. They're clearly in love. They're clearly devoted to their their kiddos. They they want to have a good, loving, normal family existence. And I'm rooting for them. I, I want them to have that. And like you're saying, with all these layers coming at them, you know, thank goodness for someone like Tyler Perry, who saw them and just said, oh my goodness, I got to swoop in here. And, and how you really did see some people step up, but you also saw so many people just sit back and let this happen. Yeah. So in our way, I hope that we're just giving them a little bit of support to say, Hey, we see the levels that you're going through and we see how complicated it is. And even if we don't agree with every single move you might be making, we see you and we hear you. And I think they should be heard for what they've been going through. Yes. And I'm glad to see them continue on with their good work, with the Mm. work, you know, that clearly, you know, part of their brand, you know, but their lives, it seems, is to be people of service and to speak truth to nonsense, as I like to call it, Mm, Um, you know, and to, I mean, I think Megan's work, especially empowering women is, is incredible. When I saw 
her, you know, she's biracial, I'm biracial. When I saw her marry into that family, Mm. you know, probably one of the whitest families (laughs) I can think of this old institution of is pomp, circumstance. We just keep rinse and repeat. We just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Very little innovation. When I saw them embrace her and I watched her marry into that family, because I assumed Harry had to get his grandmother's permission to get married, which he confirmed in the documentary. So I, I knew there was probably some level of like, yes, let's welcome her in. I thought, oh my gosh, my hand flew off. I, was, I, I remember crying. I remember mm. crying that a girl who looked like me would marry into that family, that it was just so powerful. It felt so healing. And I was just mm. rooting for her. And I, I was so proud of them too, for embracing that, yeah, maybe our family should look a little bit more like the, you know, the real people that we, you know, I don't really know what they call themselves. They don't oversee them, but they don't mm-hmm. govern them. But, you know, th- that we are a figurehead for these people. But it's we, we, we do that for many, many, many incredibly diverse countries mm-hmm. and people of different backgrounds. So it did seem like, oh, this could be such a beautiful bridge, such an opportunity for healing, an opportunity also like like. I want to say translation in a way. I know that for me as a person of color, that my other white friends and family who have been allies for me and helped other people who were either clueless or didn't care to understand something, that that person was a bridge, was a true mm. ally. And I'll have to say, you've been that for me too. You've mm. been that for me in my life in, in different mm. ways. And so it's a really beautiful thing to see happen. And I was I was really hoping that Megan would be able to really fulfill that role. And I I will be blunt, this is quite controversial, but I do think that she is continuing the good work of Princess Diana, who Mm. called herself the Queen of Hearts. And I did see her that way. When I heard her say that, I was like, yeah, you are the Queen of Hearts. Mm. You really are. And now I see the opportunity for Megan. And you know what? Megan's like, I don't need that fancy title. I don't need your royal security. I can do that and be that on my own and on my own terms. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so true. And yeah, what what a missed opportunity, but maybe never say never, right? Maybe they can reconcile. Um, <clears throat> but the word that comes out for me when you're speaking like that is that there could have been such solidarity. Yes. There could have been such solidarity and yet we see what played out. So maybe it can happen. But yeah, that was that was uh that was really something. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I also I mean for me when I see things like this, no matter what it is, I always like to see, well, how does it relate to us as people? Mm-hmm. How can it help us be more self-aware? How can it help us to advance conversations? And that is often the gift that our public figures play. We get yeah. to experience the drama. Sometimes there are things that are very close to our own hearts and minds that we're trying to process and to play it out with other people. So I, for me, I'm always looking at that. What are the lessons that we can learn from this? I want to ask the listeners, mm-hmm. you know, how, how, what is this trigger for you in mm-hmm. your life and your, the systems that you're a part of, whether it's family or work or the religion you're a part of? Where do you need to speak up and speak out? And I do believe that is one of the gifts of this time that so many of us are, and not, it's not just becoming a girlfriend of a certain age. I, I think all humans, we're starting to wake up more. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see a lot of the broken things in our lives and in the systems around us mm-hmm. and the ways that we participate in them. 
Yes. How are we participating in racism? How are we participating in homelessness? How are we participating mm-hmm. in, you know, keeping keeping people down in, in systems mm-hmm. that are not healthy for them? And yeah. I think the more and more of us who wake up to that yeah. and even make teeny tiny changes or even see someone else breaking free from that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's many opportunities for healing and gifts for all of us in this. I agree 100%. I think they're brave. And I was very moved with their activism. It made me want to step up my activism. And here yes. they are, you know, um, being scrutinized every step of the way. And yet they really held their own in that regard. And so I will just say that that was a takeaway for me personally. That was like, well, my goodness, look at how they're using their platform. Right. Mm, And that we all in our smaller spheres, you know, we don't have to be these huge public figures in order to do that. We can talk to that racist uncle, (laughs) right? We can point out someone who maybe says something um, really, you know, disparaging about a homeless person and just like have a conversation, have a dialogue. That's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to cancel anyone, right? We're not trying to ostracize anyone. We see what happens, we see how that hurts everyone. Right. So it's really like creating the, the, the conversation and making room enough to, like you said, speak truth to nonsense Mm. and allow all of us to be a little uncomfortable. We can live with a little discomfort. This is, this is, we, we know this girlfriends of a certain age, right? (laughs) We all know this on all sorts of levels by now. We're not getting anywhere if we're not just a little uncomfortable, right? We got it. Well, that's where the learning and the growth comes in. And I think the more that we can see that things are not black and white, (sighs) they're not good and bad. They're not up and down. Everything is a little bit of everything. It's complicated, right? And so I think the more we can hold the, the realities that we see and understand our own personal truth, project our truth into it. Yeah. And to me, that is one of the gifts for, for me personally of being this age. I can do that so much more easily now yes. because I'm not holding on to some good girl version. Well, a good girl would just keep her head down and keep wearing the muted colors like Megan did and not make waves and not stand yeah. out and stand in the back or whatever, all the things that she was doing. Yeah. Um, because the good girl can wear bright colors. I love her in that <laughs> green dress. To me, those are some of the most iconic photos of their of their time in in, in royal life as, as a married couple. Watching Megan in that green dress, it was like, Woo! oh yes, girl! Didn't yes! you love it? I mean, the irony that she tried to play this good girl uh, with the muted color so she wouldn't stand out. No one coached her either. She just got dropped into this thing and instinctively, probably from her own, you know, having to deal with being multiracial and having everyone try to put you in a box. She was like, okay, I'm just going to take the cues from everyone. I'm a people pleaser. I'm going to make this work. It was a losing game. There was no way she could please this group. Right. It and still so didn't work. Then, right. Then she was like, I'm going to wear a different bold color every day. And just here I am because her light is so bright. And so, yes, I think we're like, go shine your big light, Megan. Like, go do it because, damn, you look good in green. <laughs> Doesn't she? She looks amazing in green. She looks amazing in green. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know what her intentions are or how she would relate to this idea of good girl. I'd be really, actually really curious to ask her about that. Megan, come but, on the pod. We'd love to have you as a guest. Oh, yeah. That'd be so fun. That'd be so fun. Um, but I felt like... I, we were watching a good girl break free. Yes. You know, that's it. and 
And then, you know, we do, you break some eggs when you do that. People will talk about you behind your back, stab you in the back, bad, you know, bad mouth you. But you know what? And that hurts. But at some point you realize, yeah, but my spine is straight and I have more energy now for me and I have more freedom and, oh, I can use my voice. Oh, wow. I'm really reclaiming more parts of myself. And each of us as recovering good girls does that. And we're watching Megan on her, her path to recovery. And I got to give Harry some credit. He's, he's figuring it out, but he's, I think he's really working on being a recovered good girl himself and supporting Megan. Or a good boy. A good boy. (laughs) Can we all just be recovering good girls? Why not? Why not? Right. If we're, if we're, we're trying to look, look in the more in the middle path and not so much on that, uh, you know, this He's or that, working on the it. duality, right? He, our he, brains are right. wired for duality, right? Is it they good? Is it bad? We are. Yeah, no, I kind of think we all could be a recovering good girl, you know, just if we're thinking of that as an archetype, right? That everyone can relate to that. And uh, yeah, I think, I think we just realize what the kind of common theme is with Megan and, and with what we discuss here, which is she really is a good girl in recovery. And I think that she's absolutely a powerful being. And I think we're we're just, we're just starting to see the beginning of what she's going to share with us. Um, We should also shout out her beautiful podcast called Archetype, which is marvelous. Um, Yeah. I think Megan's just getting started. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm uh, reminded of a quote and I can't remember who said it. So hopefully someone in the comments will, will straighten us out here. Um, but the quote is something to the effect of nobody is more hated than a truth teller. Mm. nobody is more hated than a truth teller. And I think that that is a lot of what Harry and Megan yeah. are dealing with the aftermath of. And, and I think so many of the recovering good girls listening right now have had their own experiences of oh, yeah. speaking truth to nonsense and being punished for it. Yes. Okay. So on that note, I think we need to just hold up our beautiful shirts one more time. Our power logo, because our logo, Megan, good girls. Megan, we see you, we feel you, we're rooting for you. Let us know if you want a shirt. We'll even give you one for free, honey. <laughs> Send our girl Megan a shirt. I know. Well, I I just love this this conversation, getting into this with you. I do too. And the the different perspectives that you and I bring, that we can mm-hmm. do that and still love each other. Yeah. And, you know, come from different perspectives, but like weave it all together in this path of healing, because that is what you and I are all about and all the recovery good girls who are on this journey with us. I absolutely agree. And I just finally want to say, I want to see little princess Fulche holding hands with little, you know, tutu Superman, whatever was going on with me. And we can just, you know, march, march off into the sunset together as we should be. I love that. I I love love that. Well, and I can't wait to get into this topic a little bit more, a little bit more juicy in the online community that you and I have been forming. So, uh, well, we'll be saving some, some, holding back a little for it so we can have more of a juicy conversation there. So we'll see you there. And until next time, girlfriends. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today to Girlfriends of a Certain Age podcast. Do you have a girlfriend who needs to hear this message? Share this episode with her. 
She will love you forever. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for more episodes where we discuss more hot topics about girlfriends living their best lives. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and girlfriendsofacertainage.com.